Great, and we are on air. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome to another uh, product school talk. This week we have an awesome guest, um, and I'll introduce her in just a minute. Um, as you guys know, we teach product management courses in our six uh, campuses in New York, in uh, Silicon Valley, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Um, so I'm going to take a second to introduce um, <laughs> Anne Silva. She is product manager for the cancer research in the UK. Um, hi, Anne. Welcome. Hello. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks. Great. Awesome. Actually, sunny out there. It's not <laughs> that usual in the UK these days. <laughs> nice. Um, well, can you take a second to talk about your background and how you got into product management? Yep. So I think I've lost count. I've been doing this for seven or eight years. Um, I've started in, um, in the telecom industry. Uh, about yeah eight years ago then they moved into the media industry actually more focused on product design and um, business uh, design at that point and then from there to um, startup to work with um, e-learning um, solutions and then that's that was all back in in brazil um uh, while well, i'm brazilian <laughs> uh, and uh, and yeah, I've been in the UK for the last three years, working with um, Cancer Research UK, working at Cancer Research UK, with uh, now um, working with the fundraising platforms. Um, so the tools that we, we we offer for people to fundraise online for us. Awesome! That's amazing what you're doing. Um, great. Well, I know you have a presentation um, ready for us today. Yes, so. I do. Awesome. Um, well, let me try and start screen sharing. You let me know if it's working properly. Sure. Um, and while she prepares that, um, just so everybody knows, uh, whenever her presentation is finished, we'll open the floor for some questions. So I'll uh, I'll be pulling those directly from the chat next to the YouTube video. And she's finished. Okay. Cool. Uh, can you see my slides? Yes, we can see. It looks perfect. Okay. Great. So, well, validation made made easy it's potentially way too ambitious so let's aim for making it um, a bit easier um, today I want to share with you the tools and techniques that I've been using myself so I think a framework in itself is um, simplification let alone a step-by-step -step recipe like the one that I'm going to share today because what works for me might not work for you or it might require some adjustments. However, although I don't think there is a unique way of going around validating your ideas and solutions, I think you can use the following as a starting point. And as you mature your validation um, skills, you'll find your own way and maybe come here and share with us. So I think it's also worth saying that this is more focused on validating ideas and features associated to an existing product rather than finding the initial problem solution feat. So more aimed at people doing products within um, enterprise or a more um, established um, company. Okay, so first things first, I think uh, before getting into what and how to validate, think about who is going to get involved. Um, start by engaging the right people. Uh, this may or may not be directly involved with day-to-day -day product development process might be someone from marketing someone from finance 
think about what types of experiments you're likely to be running and who can help you run those experiments effectively and invite them to be part of the team. I think it's also important to keep it small. Uh, you don't want people who are not going to play an active role in, in running experiments. So I'd say max five um, or uh, six people. And commitment and availability is key. I think validation, you may not really know that uh, if you've been trying to do it or if you've been doing it for a long time. That validation is rather time-consuming. Although I think it's worth the time, it does take up a lot of time. And if people are not available and cannot commit to uh, get involved and um, have a few hours per week at least to um, dispose, I think you should think about whether you have to you need to invite them or not. So that brings me to um, the first tip, bonus tip. I think um, if you have internal stakeholders you work closely with, it might be a good idea to invite one or two to be part of the team provided they are willing to get their hands dirty and they have that availability that we've just talked about. If these stakeholders tend to challenge your decisions and methods quite a lot, I think this is one more reason to get them close and involved in defining the product alongside you rather than just telling them what you're going to do. Sometimes that's not a very good idea. I think it totally depends on your stakeholders and how you think they will behave. But in general, I've, I've found that works fine. Um, so after, start, um, get the team uh, together and help them uh, get them to help you um, list all of the hypotheses. This might be coming from the live product, customer discovery interviews, user research, stakeholders, competitors, um, many different places. I like to keep um, a spreadsheet with um, all of my ideas, problems to solve, questions, and I always go back and keep adding to it. Whenever someone comes up with something that I haven't thought about yet, I, I try and add to my spreadsheet so I don't uh, lose uh, track of it. For example, you might have, um, just think about something that you might want to, um, you may want to validate. Um, you may have a feedback survey live on your product and people keep saying they'd like to be able to do something. I mean, users that your product doesn't allow them to do. And per se, that's not a good enough reason to go on and put it in your roadmap. But it's definitely, in my opinion, a good reason to add it to your validation backlog. And you can test it by simply running, for example, a fake door small test. Um, that means finding a way to pretend the feature is there and see how many people try to use it and how they, they try and use it. If it's a rather simple thing to develop, gauging um, people's interest might be enough to help you decide whether your engineers should spend time um, on it or not. If it's quite complex, you may need to further validate that it will translate into real value. Sometimes people interact with something, but it doesn't end up uh, where you uh, would like it to. So it depends on, um, um, I think, the complexity of the development. Um, after you've listed all of your hypotheses, it's time to prioritize it. I like to use a simple two by two matrix, more important versus less important, easier versus harder. Importance is a mix in this case of uncertainty and relevance. Uh, so the less evidence you have on something, more important it is to confirm it. But it also depends on how critical to the success of the business or the product that is. And then easier and harder, obviously, is connected to how complex it is to validate it. 
Um, usually when something is hard to validate is because it's too big. So you should try and break it down into smaller assumptions or hypotheses. Um, I know a T by T matrix may sound too simplistic, but I was once told, and I totally agree, that at this stage, there is no point in adopting complex prioritization frameworks because these are just assumptions to validate and not the things that you're actually going to engineer. Um, so basically, what the message is, don't spend too much energy prioritizing the unknown. Um, test it first, and then you think about whether you um, do it first or not, you develop it first or after. Um, I usually do all these exercises with the whole uh, validation team. So from uh, listing all the hypotheses to deciding what's going to be validate, validated first, they should always play a role in defining what to um, validate. Um, and then I usually pick up something from that um, quadrant, more important and, and easier. And that's where I start validating. Um, so designing your experiment, um, also known as MVPing, um, something um, to test um, your assumption. Um, I think this is one of the hardest steps of the process, at least until you have grown your um, portfolio of tricks. Coming up with a simple way of validating a hypothesis or even coming up with a good hypothesis is not a very straightforward um, uh, process most of the time. You can get stuck quite frequently and that's um, this is where my next um, bonus tip comes in. I think it's crucial to find someone who can steer you in the right direction. By helping you ask the right questions, sharing examples of similar experiments they've run in the past, or simply introducing you to a new um, tool or trick. At Cancer Research UK, um, I had the chance to work with a wonderful team of um, coaches from um, the Bay Area. They get involved in designing, running, and debriefing each experiment. They had loads of hands-on experience and would point us in the right direction, making the whole process a lot easier. If you can't afford or you think that's not your thing, um, hire to hire a coach, try and find a mentor, someone you can discuss your hypotheses and experiments with. I think it's one of the most enlightening things that you can do. Um, you can read all the books, you can do all the courses, they are very important to help you build up knowledge. But when you try and put things into practice is when all the puzzles um, come into play. So do you find someone you can discuss uh, all of these things with? That's very helpful. And I'm sure there are plenty of more experienced product people out there um, keen to help you uh, develop these skills. So again, although um, frameworks tend to oversimplify stuff, um, I find them useful as a starting point. You obviously have to understand and adapt and combine different tools and techniques to be able to test what you want to. But this clever matrix that you can find in the Rio Startup book um, helps you figure out what techniques you could use depending on what you're trying to learn. So is your question about the market? Think like, who is my customer? What are their pains? What jobs uh, needs to be done? Or is it about the product? How can we solve this problem? What is the minimum feature set? Or you may need to think whether this is... Um, um, you're ready for an evaluative experiment, meaning that you have a clear hypothesis uh, to evaluate, or if you should do something or additional research to generate and clarify um, your ideas. 
For example, if you want to test appetite for a new value proposition, you can quickly put together a landing page and ask people to register. Um, as you probably know, registering or providing valuable personal data in some cases can be interpreted as users are paying for your product. It's like they're paying. Uh, so if they're willing to provide that data, it's probably a good sign. Um, that's a type of market evaluative experiment, for example. Uh, you can also use what's called uh, fake doors that we've just talked about to estimate appetite for a new feature. So the list goes on. Um, Wizard of Oz, Picnic in the Graveyard. They have quite cool names as well. So I suggest you check the real startup book for further um, reference and examples. So then, next step is to uh, make sure your experiment is, is smart, so specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely. Um, detail the experiment and write the details down. And I want to emphasize the write it down bit. It's very tempting to adjust your hypothesis and success or failure criteria, um, as some people like to call it, on the go to fit your findings. You must resist that temptation. So write it down. Um, and that will help you uh, stick to um, your initial hypothesis. So next, of course, run the experiment as quickly as possible. Um, in the same way that there is no point in on putting a lot of energy into prioritization before you have confirmed your hypothesis, you should aim for experiments that can deliver results quickly. It's all about completing the build, measure, learn cycle faster each time you run it. I found this to be very tough as well. It's hard to keep up pace, and um, especially when there is so much else going on in the product space, which is all, almost <laughs> always the case. But keep insisting, and you'll get there eventually. So I think when it comes to running experiments, it's really important to learn how to talk to customers. Don't overestimate the challenge of talking to customers. Don't assume you're not asking leading questions. You most probably are. Don't assume you're not trying to sell your idea. Sometimes you most probably are. Um, I, I keep that. I really try not to do all those things, but I find myself doing them uh, many times. So talking to customers in a way that actually leads to some learning is tough. So before you do any more customer interviews, I suggest you read this book. It's like a 100-page um, book. Uh, you can read that in a day. Um, and it's one epiphany after the other. It really helps you um, figure out what types of mistakes you're making and how to avoid making those mistakes again. So next, um, it's very important to debrief your experiment after you've finished. So even more important than running experiment itself is making sure that you know what you've learned. Um, in the beginning, your learnings are likely to be more connected to um, the process of designing and running the experiments rather than your hypothesis. Don't get frustrated. Um, it's a learning curve. It will improve and you've got to go through that one day or the other. There are a few links in the presentation that I've just uh, realized that you won't be able to click um, in. So um, I will send it somehow um, after um, this so that you have access to it. So, and then you repeat it in again and again and again and again until uh, you have um, discontinued your product because that's when you have nothing less, nothing more to learn really. And that's it that I had for today.
thank you. Cool. Awesome. Great presentation. Thanks so much, Anne. Um, one thing I noticed you, you mentioned, I know um, one of your bonus tips was to find a mentor. Did you have a mentor? And can you talk about how you how you met them and how they helped you? So I met these guys um, from the Bay Area, this co this team of coaches. One of them, I I met him in um, in a conference, a Lean Startup, a Lean um, Startup conference in in in, in Europe. And then we started working together. And although he's not coaching us um, any longer, um, if I need sometimes to discuss um, when I get stuck, I need to discuss something. I may go back to to him, and he'll help me. Um, and I've been um, mentoring a, bit, a few people, like in my organization, especially when it comes to running experiments. Okay. So, yeah, I think it it really helps. It really makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here, we have a couple questions coming in, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and look for one um, for you. So okay. this one is from Kiki. Um, would you give a concrete example, um, maybe like interested in how to break down harder hypothesis to each, to easier hypothesis? So, hmm. Do you have an example you could share? Try, yeah, let me try and remember something. Hmm. Let's say instead of a concrete example of something that I've broken down because I can't really recall anything right now. I've been on maternity leave for the next for the last six months, and something have, some things have just disappeared from my mind. Uh, let's say that you are um, just. A, keep it simple, you're doing your um, tax return. Um, you have to do many things before you can actually do it. So that's not actually a hypothesis that you want to test, but it's something, it's a test that you want to accomplish. So before you actually do it, you have to collect all, all of your receipts. And after you've collected all of your receipts, you have to do the calculations after you do the calculations. So it's about breaking down the tasks into um, um, smaller things. Right. So I can I can try and think of I can go back to my list of experiments and find something um, and share with you guys afterwards. Sure, we can we can share it later in the, in yeah. the video description with everyone. Awesome. Um, well, we have a couple more questions here. So um, this one is from Selena. Could you clarify what's an evaluated test for market? Evaluative experiment. Yes. Okay. So an evaluative experiment and is when you have a clear hypothesis. Like if I do this with my product, uh, like if I make this feature available within this context for this set of users, this will increase my sales by uh, X percent. So that's an evaluative experiment um, for um, the market. Um, so if you if you're not so sure if you're if you have if you're not at that point of uh, saying that if you do this, we'll achieve this and we'll be happy with this result if this is the conversion rate, for example, uh, then you're not ready for an evaluative experiment. You should do more um, generative um, research. Okay, makes sense. Thanks for clarifying that. For um, Our next question is from Christine. Uh, what do you find most unique in designing for the cancer health industry? most unique in designing products for them. I think uh, being the, 
not-for-profit um, sector. Um, it may sound dramatically different from the private sector. Um, I think it's not that much, or I like to think, I like to approach things in, in a similar way, in the same way that I, I'm, I'm after the most efficient solution when I'm, when I'm in the private sector. I'm also after the, the efficient, most efficient solution um, when in the not-for-profit sector. But the thing is that when you when you when you're not sure you're not making the best um, investment when you're not making the most of your time and the money that you were investing in something um, you're not just uh, damaging um, revenue or profit you're damaging I think the chances of beating cancer sooner which is our mission so I think every day that we go to work, we think, okay, what can we do today to make it sooner, to beat it sooner? How can we, how, what can we do today to improve people's lives? So I think that's the most unique. I think that passion and that sense of purpose is the most unique thing. It's definitely very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, our next question is from Alexander. Uh, what books? What other books would you recommend to to read? Oh, I think um, obviously Steve Blank. So either Four Steps to Epiphany or um, Startups Owner uh, Manual. I think maybe a bit similar. Um, both good. Uh, what else? I think of course Lean Startup gives you the the mindset and the framework, although I don't think it's so um, it's that applicable. I think it's more about the the mindset and less about the tools necessarily. Um, yeah, I think the mom test is really um, a must read. <laughs> I can't emphasize <laughs> that enough. It really makes such a massive difference in the way that you talk to customers. It's amazing. Awesome. Um, and for, for that question too, we also just, um, just released the product book and you can search that on Amazon as well. So another, oh, uh, cool. I haven't read that one yet. I have to, <laughs> it's in my list. Awesome. Um, and our next question comes from, um, Brian. Let's see, who is your audience for a fake door test and how do you run this test without misleading existing users? Well, that's a good question. Some people don't like it and some people advocate against it because they say that that can undermine the trust in, in your product. I think, in my opinion, if you get, if you have, you have to be careful. Like in Ekans Research UK, we deal with very sensitive issues sometimes. And then when that's the case, we may choose not to run an experiment like this because people may get very frustrated and they they might be in a very, difficult situation and you don't want really don't want to get them frustrated um but if you have a big enough pool of users um and you don't um overuse that uh, technique i think um it's fine um it's fine that people sometimes will get through something and you can also work on the messaging on the wording making sure that they understand that you are uh, that feature is not available yet, but will become available or might be available in, in the future. So I think it's all about uh, taking care of how you communicate that and making sure that you're not, you're not overusing that as well. 
Awesome. Um, and our, we have time for just a couple more questions. So um, this one here is, <laughs> let me have it for you. Um, this one is from Arturo. Uh, how do you keep all the different activities in mind or do you recommend any software or tools to track that? All the activities, you mean all the experiments? Correct. Okay, I just use a spreadsheet, really. I keep it simple. There are may, maybe there are tools out there for this um, specific, ta specific task, but I just really use a spreadsheet. No, right, absolutely. I mean, there, there are tons of tools out there that do amazing things, but sometimes it's easier to just go back to basics. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you have like one, two, three job. And sometimes some jobs do require very specific tools, but others you can just uh, get on with it, what you've already got. <laughs> right, exactly. Awesome. Um, well, can you talk about a couple of the skills that you feel helped you break into product management? Oh, um, uh, yeah. So I think there are a few things I've learned through a thing. Um, this experience with uh, products and I didn't necessarily they didn't necessarily help help me break into product management because I think I developed them along the way uh, but I think you can't be afraid of making mistakes product management is a discipline that evolves a lot um, and really fast so you always find something new, a new way of doing something, a new way of running experiments, a new way of prioritizing, um, a new way of engaging with stakeholders, you, and you've got to try it. Yeah. And when you try it for the first time, um, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, that's, you cannot avoid it. Uh, you cannot help it. You're going to fail. And you can't be afraid of failing. You have to face it. Um, and... Sometimes people won't even realize that you've made a mistake or that something is not quite right. So something else that I quite like, it's like fake it until you make it. Um, so if, um, if you believe that something is going to go um, wrong, don't, don't show it. <laughs> don't let people <laughs> know. Um, I think if you trust that you're doing the right thing, you're trying your best, people may not even notice that something has gone wrong. So. I think that's important. And yeah, keep trying it. Um, Hands-on experience is the only way of um, becoming a product manager. So grab any chance of doing it that you can. It may not be your dream job. It may not be the, the thing that you were dreaming about doing. Uh, but you've got to uh, get your hands on something and start doing it. Uh, build up your knowledge with uh, yeah courses and books, but then go on and and start doing the thing that you want to do. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for the um, for the great advice as well too. We we definitely always say that when you want to become a product manager, um, start by building something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it may be your own thing, maybe your startup, or it may be just something that you like doing. But just yeah, get on and um, and do it. Exactly. Well, um, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for your time. And we appreciate you and the presentation. Everything was was awesome. So so thank you for taking the time to hang out with us today. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thanks for um, having me. And yeah, um, speak soon. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thanks again, everyone. Um,
as you guys know, um, we host events every week, so we have our webinars on um, on every Thursday. Uh, but you can also go to our on-site events as well. So just go to productschool.com and click on events. Um, if you hit subscribe to our YouTube channel, you also get notifications when we publish um, videos there as well. So um, great. Well, everybody, hope you enjoy the rest of your day or evening. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.